gone too far. I don't know what you mean. Qui-Gon Jinn, you allowed Maul to kill him. You lost an apprentice and so did I. All in service of our greater goals. Could have been a powerful ally. For you, perhaps. You question my loyalty? Always. I have done everything you asked. And I will ask more of you, if we are to succeed. Cypher Diaz, Camino, the clones. I have betrayed everyone and everything I know. No. You have been loyal to a greater cause. How many have died because of my actions? Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 533, Dooku. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt. And with me, the Qui-Gon Jinn to my Count Dooku, we have Carl LeClaire. I was just telling them about the Sith Lord I encountered. They didn't believe me. Mm, of course they wouldn't. The Jedi Council is foolish that way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jason, I'm so excited to talk about everybody's favorite count since Count Chocula. <laughs> it's Count Chocula, Count Count, Count Dooku. I don't know where Count Dracula is. He's somewhere. He's in, <laughs> he's in Dooku's closet, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Jason, oh, it has been... It has been years since we've kind of done a character analysis episode. And, the, you know, this was something we did a lot in the early days of, of the show. And uh, yeah. I asked you last week, I was like, listen, like, I don't really have any ideas for an upcoming topic. What do you think? What are you excited about? And you're like, oh, what if we did a character analysis of Dooku? And I was like, yes. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, perfectly, perfectly honest. I was like, well, I really just want to talk about Tales of the Jedi again, because that's great. But we did like a an episode breakdown of, you know, those Dooku episodes and then the Ahsoka episodes separately earlier. And I didn't want to just repeat that. So I was like, well, what if we just talk about Dooku in general? Because that's really what I wanted to talk about was, was Dooku in Tales of the Jedi. And then we decided to, you know, make it bigger. And I've gone back and re-listened to Dooku Jedi Lost. And we're going to just, it's, it's great. It's great, Carl. So much Dooku. So good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's so, you know, I think what's so fun about his character, just in general, right, when when we meet him in the prequel trilogy in Attack of the Clones, he's pretty much just your bread and butter villain, right? There's mm-hmm. there's not too much to him outside of that scene with him and Obi-Wan and, you know, where he's having that intense conversation with Obi-Wan. Um, but other than that, there's not much to him. And then he shows up at the Revenge of the Sith and is killed. <laughs> so, right. uh, but then Clone Wars, you know, gives us a little bit more, but... Man, they've given us so much more with, uh, you know, like you just said, the the audio, the audio play that that was written by Kevin Scott, Jedi Lost. Um, and of course, now with the three episodes devoted to him in Tales of the Jedi, we really get 
uh, a much more fleshed out human character. And that's kind of what we're just excited to talk about is just kind of hit some of the highlights of, of Dooku's career, if you will. Yes, absolutely. And we're, you know, I'm sure there's going to be stuff we're going to skip over. Uh, but these are the, the kind of the big highlights for us. And uh, obviously, I was the one that went back and revisited Dooku Jedi Law. So I'll go ahead and jump into that um, unless there's yeah, anything please. we want to hit before no, we do, do that. Um, so uh, Dooku uh, is, you know, your standard Padawan. Not really. Uh, he Obviously, he excels with uh, lightsaber training uh, from an early age. And uh, he learns about his homeworld when he is part of a group of, of Padawans sent uh, on him. Uh, what is it called? It was the... Um, they were there for some like festival, I think. <laughs> yeah, festival. It was a festival yeah. of sorts that they were there on Sereno. And he found out, oh, I'm from here. And met. not only did he find out he's, he was from there, he met his family. Um, based all of them. His sister... Uh, Genza, who he developed an immediate connection with, his brother, who uh, did not get along with him, and his father, who basically disowned him again uh, in, to his face, um, which was shocking, to say the least. Uh, and this set up a very interesting situation where Dooku and his sister Genza communicated over the years through a secret holocom that she sent him at the Jedi Temple. This is even before he he was taken as a Padawan. Hmm. Um, so he's, you know, uh, communicating with her about, you know, his struggles and different adventures that he has throughout his entire life. Um, and the only person that gets as close to him as Genza does through these communications is his friend Sifo-Dyas, uh, who we, you know, we know uh, and love as the... <laughs> Well, did he really order the clone army? I don't think so. Um, but uh, poor old Sifo. Um, and the, the, the story that we get in Dooku Jedi Lost takes us through a lot of things. Obviously, he, he's trained by Yoda um, as a Padawan and becomes a master. He takes several Padawans. But the whole trajectory that goes through... Uh, his life in this story follows two main things. The the smaller one I want to touch on first follows uh, Sifo-Dyas. Sifo-Dyas starts to get visions. Um, and the visions keep coming true. Uh, but they're they're debilitating and, and, and it's, it's very much uh, affecting his mind. Uh, and there's one in particular where he sees the destruction of an agricultural world um, that they identify as proto-branch. And uh, Sifo-Dyas, his master, uh, Dooku, and Yoda, because this happens when they're still Padawans, go to proto-branch to sort of kind of poke around and see if they can figure out what's happening. While they're there, a a, a solar storm happens and basically destroys... Uh, the floating cities above the agricultural, uh, you know, plains, and causes a calamity um, that you know Dooku and uh, Sifo-Dyas's master Leon Castana uh, believe could have been prevented if 
Sifo-Dyas's visions had been heeded by the council earlier. Mm. Uh, and this, of course, continues on into later life when, uh, you know, as Sifo is continues to be uh, almost hindered and, and driven towards the edge of insanity by his visions, Dooku kind of keeps an eye on on things and uh, tries to keep him protected and but still listen to them to see if there's something that he believes the council should be acting on. Um, or potentially, and this is not addressed specifically in the book, but my suspicion is that when Sifo-Dyas starts having visions of the clone armies and the war raging across the galaxy, that Dooku keeps that one to himself. Mm. Uh, and because my guess is that one starts happening later on and uh, he's already under the sway of a certain Naboo senator who, interestingly enough, he was introduced to uh, by his first Padawan, Rail Avaros, but that's just a factoid. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think about some of the, the visions and you know the, the effects of Sifo-Dyas on Dooku? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, like you were saying, it's it it's kind of that early kernel of Dooku's own personal fascination with these prophecies and and paying, you know, paying heed to these prophecies. Um, I've forgotten that particular early mission being kind of this response to a, 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 a dream about famine, essentially, or right on an agricultural mm-hmm. world. That's. That's lifted right out of the book of Genesis with the story of Joseph and his dreams, <laughs> yeah. dreaming about famine in Egypt. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I think that's what to me is so important about his relationship with Sifo-Dyas. Um, and also the way it's portrayed, especially in the audio drama, um, is very much like they're they're close friends. You know, there's yeah. there seems to be a camaraderie between them that isn't quite as common in this era of Jedi, right? Like they do tend to kind of really uh, honor that kind of more stoic approach to life. But Dooku and Sifo-Dyas have a really close bond. And as Sifo-Dyas continues to slip into kind of madness because he's so deeply mm-hmm. plagued by these these dreams and prophecies, Dooku's the one that still believes him. Dooku's the one who's going to take notice of it. Um, and, 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 you know, start taking notice of these things and, and being wary of them. And I appreciated that, you know, you had pointed it out that, you know, this was a, this early catastrophe could have been prevented had the council just listened to sifo So again, that's kind of planting that very early kernel for Dooku about mistrust in the council. Yeah. Whether or not that you know they could have done something about it is is neither here nor there. But Dooku mm-hmm. definitely believes that the council could have done something um, and uh, could have saved many many lives uh, if they had acted earlier. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, and you know, um, I think the other big thing in this story, you know, Jedi Lost is is like you said that connection he has to his sister Jenza. Um, yeah. And 
the thing I don't remember, Jason, and this is where I want you to clarify for me. Also, we should have said this before we started, but spoilers ahead for any of the things we're going to talk about. Um, yes. So if, for instance, you've been in, you know, meaning to read or listen to Jedi Lost, you might want to tune back in a couple of minutes because I'm going to ask Jason a, a very <laughs> spoilered question. Um, so you've been warned. Okay. Pause. Here we go. <laughs> um, so what I don't remember, because I, I remember right in the story that he and Jenza do create a really strong bond. Again, something mm-hmm. that's also not allowed, especially in the Jedi Order, right? You're not supposed to know where right. you come from. You're not supposed to have any sort of connection to your to your genetic family. And yet Dooku creates this strong bond. Why the heck does he end up kill, having Asajj kill her? I don't remember that. Um, Because... He's slipping to the dark side. Okay. And this happens, you know, progressively, obviously. We we see him have brushes with the dark side and, you know, lures to to the dark side throughout the stories. Um, and there is a creature on Sereno that was hibernating called the Tirataka that was in ancient days used by dark side force wielders to dominate and suppress the people of Sereno and the house Sereno is the group that finally um, rose up and defeated these dark side force wielders um, and liberated Sereno back in the day, uh, which is of course the house that Dooku is from Um, in a mission that he goes back to Sereno uh, as a, an older man, a council member uh, Dooku inadvertently reawakens this creature and uses the force to control it, not just, you know, influence it like he's been taught with animals and stuff like that before, but he actually uses it to control it and lets his emotions get the better of him as he murders his brother who is, uh, you know, working with these mercenaries to take over the entire planet. Um, against what his sister wants and the creature goes feral again and he has to kill it. Um, and it's this moment where he, you know, kills his brother, rescues his sister, where he leaves the, the order in order to become count with Sereno because there is now the, the air, the spot for the air is open. And so he does that. However, of course, this is also, when Palpatine starts influencing things. And it's never, he never explicitly says to Asajj why he wants to kill Jenza. But the implication is, is that Jenza is trying to reach out to the Jedi in order to get Dooku help because he's not the person that she used to know anymore. And she thinks that he is uh, being negatively affected and is going down a dark path. And so she wants to reach out to the Jedi to help him and to bring him back. And of course he can't allow that because that will create enemies and problems for him because uh, at the, this point in the story is shortly before attack of the clones uh, probably a year or two prior to Attack of the Clones is my guess because this is very 
soon after he has acquired Ventress as an assassin. This is one of her first missions to prove herself to him. Um, is to track down his sister, and then he has Ventress kill her. Uh, and so it is uh, to save himself, to keep to protect himself and the plans that he is developing with Sidious uh, from being revealed too soon. Got that it. is why Jensa has to die. Right. So it's, yeah, it's a silencing thing. Yes, absolutely. And it, it is very telling that he makes Ventress do it for two reasons. One, because he's in the room. He's there when he tells her to do it. Uh, he ends up having to to rescue Ventress and his sister from Republic agents who are working to try and extract Genza. Um, so he comes, kills them, and then uh, tells Ventress, you know what you need to do. And, uh, you know, obviously this is a test, number one, to see how committed Ventress is, because obviously she used to be a Jedi Padawan. Um, but also it's very telling that he can't bring himself to kill her, to kill his sister um, as well. It's a very interesting dynamic, I find, uh, in that moment, because it serves two purposes. One, he doesn't have to be the one to do it. Uh, and two, it's a test for Ventress. So that makes sense. And, you know, I think thanks for that clarification, because I think what even so this earliest kind of canonical story then for Dooku is one that is really what they've done with his character through the rest of these stories, which is ultimately he is kind of this compassionate Jedi. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. That's when we meet him as this young boy. Right. That's that's where Jedi Law starts. It's it's Asajj stumbles across all these old stories. Um, and as she's learning about a young Dooku, I mean, it's very clear that he is he's this compassionate person. Um, he he cares about people. He has relationships with people that are probably not as common for Jedi. I mean, he's got a close relationship with his own sister. He's got a close relationship with mm -hmm. Sifo-Dyas. Um and also what's always overlying here is Dooku's kind of larger plan. Um, and we're going to get into more of this as we go through some more of his, the details of his story. But Dooku is somebody who is trying to ultimately reshape the galaxy and he's yes. willing to go to any lengths. So that's a, you know, that's, that's an essential clarification on your part. So thanks Jason. In so far as um, right, there's, there's nothing he will withhold from his grand vision right? Whatever no. it will take to mold the galaxy into something new, he's willing to, to make those sacrifices. Right. And just a, a point of, of note, uh, when Dooku does take on a role on the Jedi council, he tells, um, I can't remember if it's rail or Qui-Gon that he's doing it. Um, because he believes that he can change the Jedi council from the inside. Because he okay. believes, you know, that they are, um, you know, they're too cautious. They're too concerned with politics at this point. Uh, you know, this is a, you know, obviously something that comes to a head when the Jedi are basically married at the hip to the Republic itself uh, and forced to take on, you know, the role of generals. Um, but he believes, you know, years prior to all this, that they're too 
intertwined with the Republic need to be separated. And he's trying to help reshape the focus of the council from within by joining, by, by accepting a, an appointment to the council. I don't remember that that happened. I don't remember that he was on the council. Um, yeah, it was, it wasn't a long stint. Um, the, the implication I get is it, it wasn't like, it was maybe just a few years, but uh, he, he was on the council for a period. Okay. Uh, well, that's interesting because uh, in Tales of the Jedi, it's never, it's, I mean, it's clear that he's not. Um, right. I mean, it's never said that he never got to be on it. Uh, but that's, that is interesting. Um, now, oh, man, Jedi lost is so good. Uh, was there, oh. any, I, was there anything else from that that you felt was essential to establishing Dooku? Um, i I think I got the main points. The, the only other interesting thing is that the Tirataka, uh, creature that, uh, he resurrected on accident uh, is something he sort of touched through the force as a child when he was right. on uh, Sereno yeah, before he was even a Padawan. That was sort of a um, a, a a thing that he acts. That was when he initially awakened it, um, and it caused a ground quake that you know brought down a building that he and his sister were in, and uh, he they had to be rescued. And so it was just sort of an interesting kind of nice arc to see that the, the Tirataka in a sense is sort of the awakening of the dark side within Dooku and kind of how that sort of that, that presence that is sort of tied not only with the planet, but with his own story kind of has to rise and, you know, uh, takes hold of him as this sort of this anger uh, at injustice that ele- enable that is what makes him lose control uh, when uh, when he gets pissed at corruption or something he perceives as unjust, uh, and and is part of what draws him further away from the Jedi and towards the dark side. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, hence the title Jedi Lost. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um... Yeah, so I want to just touch quickly on uh, the little bit we get of him in Master and Apprentice, the novel by Claudia Gray. Uh, Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, he's not a central character in it, but there are a couple of flashback scenes um, where we we get to and get little glimpses of his relationship with Qui-Gon when he was Qui-Gon's master. Um, And I think the other thing that's really important is Master and Apprentice gave us the character of Rail Avaros and Rail being Dooku's first apprentice before Qui-Gon and similar to Qui-Gon, a very unorthodox guy. Uh, You know, both of Dooku's students are very unorthodox Jedi. Um, But I think what stood out to me about Dooku and Master and Apprentice is is, just kind of a a furthering of what was developed in Jedi Lost, which is uh, Dooku's obsession with prophecy, right? And that's where Qui-Gon yeah. gets it, is Dooku has Qui-Gon looking things up, has him really devoted to it. Um, and I think that that's a really important part of continuing Dooku's story coming off of the Sifo-Dyas stuff. stuff is he's still very faithful to those prophecies and um, and being mindful to the way in which the, the galaxy is being uh, shifted and changed in light of them. 
The interesting thing in Jedi Lost is that on the surface to like the public facing Jedi, he doesn't really uh, put too much stock in the prophecies and the visions. But when he's behind closed doors with Jedi, he trusts and people that he trusts, he's very interested. Uh, He takes them very seriously. Um, So it, it is, you know, I seem to recall there is a, a scene in uh, Jedi Lost that, that kind of um, corroborates what you said here uh, in Master and Apprentice, where he tells Qui-Gon, I wish you wouldn't look at those behind my back. I wish you would do so with my blessing, uh, meaning the prophecies. Um, so it's that sort of is implies that might be the beginning of when Dooku and Qui-Gon really start delving into the prophecies together uh, that we get um, that we get in Master and Apprentice. So, mm. but it's great. It's great stuff. It is. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I want to, I also just really quickly as a side note, even though it's not canon anymore, the, the legends novel, Dark Rendezvous, which is a Clone Wars oh. novel, um, so good. I think it's written by Sean Stewart is the name of the author. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite Legends books, um, and it's it's ultimately uh, a story about Dooku reaching out to Yoda towards the start of the Clone War to essentially try to m- figure out a way of finding peace. Um, and we get several like flashbacks in that novel to Dooku's time as Yoda's apprentice. Um, And the thing that I find really great about that book is Dooku does have a a sincere fondness for Yoda. Um, Mm -hmm. This book was written, you know, I think a year or two after Attack of the Clones had come out. I do think I think it was published before Revenge of the Sith. Um, It was. Yeah. And and it really kind of establishes that Dooku, uh, you know, right. it kind of gives you a new light on the duel they have in Attack of the Clones too, right? That I, I don't think either one of them was particularly trying to kill the other one. Um, and and I think there's this genuine fondness that Dooku still has for Yoda. Um, even though he's kind of done with the Jedi, there is a fondness he has for Yoda. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of reciprocated because Yoda kind of agrees to this secret rendezvous, dark rendezvous, if you will, kind of goes kind of just kind of does it on his own. He wants to Dooku reaches out. So Yoda responds, Um, which I think is, I think that's important because it establishes that there really was this genuine uh, uh, connection between Yoda and Dooku. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's very interesting because the, in Jedi lost the scene where, you know, uh, Dooku first, is taken as an apprentice to Yoda. Um, Yoda says, well, we should start the training. Meet me here. And for days on end, Dooku comes to meet Yoda at this spot. And Yoda is just silent in meditation. And Dooku does displays all of the force, you know, powers and tricks and uh, techniques that he knows that he's mastered in order to impress Yoda uh, and finally, he tries to lift the great tree out of the ground and fails at that. And he collapses, uh, you know, spent uh, of everything that he knows what to do. And that's when Yoda opens his eyes and says, 
ready to learn, are you? Mm. Ready to learn what, what you do not know, are you? Uh, and Dooku goes, yes, yes, I am. Uh, and it's he, it's almost a desperate, like, oh, there's more to know. Uh, and and that's sort of how they, they start their relationship. And and it, it does become, you know, sort of a thing where the, there is a bit of push and pull that they have. You know, Dooku thinks Yoda it takes things too slow. Uh, obviously, Yoda sometimes thinks Dooku does things a bit too uh, rashly. Uh, but there is still a fondness between them throughout the story that I think uh, reflects heavily what we see in Yoda Dark Rendezvous, um, which is a fantastic book. And one that is getting a, a new re-release. Um, yeah, it already came out. Oh, it did. Well, yeah. I, it's, it's coming to Audible. Right. Uh, well, a bunch of these, these Legends re-releases are coming to Audible, I noticed. So I'm going to be adding a whole lot more to my Audible library uh, in the coming <laughs> year. So that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... It, it, uh, such a good story. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I wanted to make sure to, to point that out. Cause even though it is a, it is a legend story, uh, mm-hmm. I think what's still true about it. And there's no reason to counter this with Canon is just that, that relationship he shares with Yoda. And that is, it is a great scene in dark rendezvous because when Yoda first picks Dooku as his apprentice, he spends like weeks just sitting in silence and Dooku's getting so frustrated Um, and it, yeah. And then it's this, this, you know, monumental moment of him trying to lift the tree and and Yoda finally saying like, Oh, you're ready to go now. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Um, it's, it's, it's such a great, it's such a great moment. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's delving into tales of the Jedi, which I think is, yeah, I would say is the, the best Dooku story, um, in my opinion of, of all of them. Um, and, you know, each each episode ultimately charts his descent into the darkness. I think that's the whole point yeah. of the the tales uh, episodic uh, moments there, um, and and I appreciate that so much because that that first episode um, is ultimately about showing how Dooku shows up and and cares for the people of the Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of the most powerful scenes in in all of Star Wars animation is when you know that senator is essentially trying to call Dooku to task and you know telling him to yield to the you know you serve the senate no we serve the people of this republic <laughs> you know yes um and and it's also it's it's a great scene too because after he says that the camera then goes to some of the villagers and the, the like the leader of the villagers kind of looks over at Dooku kind of like almost with like a a, a sense of of awe Right. Like, oh, my gosh, wait, the Jedi aren't just tools of the of the Senate. Right. It's, right. It's, it's Dooku standing up for the people. Um, and it's really wonderful because that's what he cares about. Yeah, no, it's so good. And, and you can see where where Qui-Gon's compassion is, you know, is reflected in all of that. You know, Dooku, Dooku does have this compassion, but he also. um uh, allows his disdain and distaste for the corruption and the injustice to get the better of him, where I think Qui-Gon is able to find a balance of how to approach all of it a lot better than Dooku does. And we, we get that implied at the end, you know, uh, when, when Dooku tells Qui-Gon that you're a much wiser man than I am, uh, because it's Qui-Gon who's able to kind of help 
bring the whole situation to a a reasonable conclusion uh, because Dooku is ready to make a he's essentially ready to make a final stand against this senator uh, a, a final principled stand against the senator to the death if need be mm-hmm. the, the the implication that that is uh, you know said without words between the two of them uh, before the fight even starts is one of us is going to get our way and the other is not going to stand in it, you know? And obviously Dooku has the skills and the abilities with the force to make sure that he ends up victor victorious. You know, he's, he is about to execute a, a Senator mm-hmm. of the Galactic Republic, uh, right then and there in a muddy field in front of a dilapidated barn house, uh, on a, on a, planet that we don't even know the name of you know they've never told us the name of this planet the name of the system um and, and dooku has decided that this this injustice this scourge on the republic on decency must be eradicated mm-hmm. and he's the judge jury and executioner who's going to do it yeah uh, and, and right, that's the other part of that episode that's important is it 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 shows us that that very heavy handed foreshadowing of yeah. what Dooku's willing to do to end corruption. Uh, he'll mm-hmm. he'll cut it out himself if he has to. Uh, yeah, it, and I think that's what's so important. And the way that episode ends is so beautiful when he's having that conversation with Qui Gon and kind of you know applauds Qui Gon for his wisdom and acting in the moment. Um, and I love Qui-Gon's question to him is, do you think this will have any impact? Like, will this, will this, will this last? And it ultimately is Dooku saying, I don't know. I really don't. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's that first episode is such a perfect setup of Dooku is, is a Jedi trying to do the thing a Jedi is supposed to do, which is serving the people of the Republic, right? Mm -hmm. It's to, to bring light into the galaxy. And he recognizes that darkness is creeping in. And then as we kind of go into that second episode where he's paled up with uh, dogmatic Windu, um, right? We see we see clearly in that episode Dooku's disdain for just following rules and how just following (laughs) rules is never the right way to go. Um, Uh, His line at the beginning, I'm paraphrasing it slightly. Uh, He says to Windu, your – your devotion to the rule of law is uh, at the same time inspiring and maddening. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so good uh, because that, that really is a, a great description of Mace Windu. And it's fantastic that Dooku uh, gets to say it because obviously he doesn't think that the rules in some cases are either being put or either being followed effectively or that the rules in some cases themselves might be flawed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we see that, you know, in this story as well. Right. Yeah. Um, And, and that, that, that whole episode is, is really establishing that for Dooku um to do what is right in the galaxy, to actually do what the Jedi are called to do requires 
a uh, a flexibility that the order is no longer allowing for. Um, mm-hmm. And there's you know there's that scene kind of towards the end of the episode where he's he's talking with the one soldier who was you know who's been arrested, and he says to the guy ultimately you know while I don't agree with your tactics, you have a point. And he has he has a very telling line where he says, "Learn from this and evolve, um, mm-hmm. so that meaningful change can come." And that's like how how perfect is that for Dooku to say when that is in fact what he is going to do? He's going to evolve in his own mind past the limitations mm-hmm. of the Jedi in hopes of making effective change. And the interesting aspect to all of this is that this mission takes place on Raxus Secundus, which. As part of the Raxus system, I would imagine. Uh, very interestingly enough, Raxus Prime is where the Separatist uh, Congress is established oh, in right. the Clone Wars. Uh, so, that. yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing to note. Uh, that it's probably within the same system uh, that the Separatist Congress and this story take place so good so good um yeah it will and and of course the the final episode of tales of the jedi is him taking that final step into the dark um and it's 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 established that he's obviously already got a relationship with dooku or excuse me with sidious um Mm -hmm. I, i was honestly kind of hoping to get that in his story like kind of how he meets sidious how that all comes to fruition now that's another thing that it's touched on in the legends book labyrinth of evil which is the immediate predecessor to revenge of the sith again it's a it's now a legend story um but there's a bit in there about how he falls in with with palpatine and sidious i don't remember the details um but if you're looking for some of that again it's not in canon but if you want some of that in legends head to head to the book labyrinth of evil um it's been a minute since i've visited it so i can't remember the details now, the introduction to, of Dooku and Sidious, um, or Palpatine, is uh, briefly in Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, oh, nice. Rael Avaros uh, knows the senator um, because he, he had a mission to Naboo, and uh, Dooku has just made a, a plea to the Senate um, you know, to, to help people in the Outer Rim which falls on deaf ears. He's very upset about it. And as he's coming out of that speech, which the council suggested he shouldn't give, um, but he did anyways, uh, Rail is there with Palpatine and introduces Palpatine to Dooku at that point. And Palpatine is still a a young senator, and so he can't do much, but he's like, you know, I would like to, you know, hopefully our paths will cross again, Master Dooku, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, uh, but that's that's the moment. Uh, but that's all that we get. So there, there's a lot that happens that we don't know yet uh, right. in canon, per se. So, uh, yeah, definitely go back and revisit Labyrinth of Evil. There's some, there's some extra juiciness in that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But what I appreciate about this final episode is uh, ultimately we see Dooku betraying everything, right? He kind of oh. he's already stepped away from the Jedi. Um, I mm-hmm. I find it really fascinating that he's still like a welcome part of the temple, though, right? He can stroll in. He's still can bop around the Jedi archives. He's you know yep. 
buddy buddy with Jocasta New um, s- slips in and erases the Camino stuff. But at the end of the episode, when he goes and meets Palpatine and, and obviously Yaddle rolls up on it. But it's clear the reason he's joined forces is because they're Sidious is promising that they can remake the galaxy. And yeah. he understands that that's going to have a cost. And Sidious essentially says mm-hmm. it's going to keep having more of a cost. And especially if you're going to serve me. Um, but what I've been thinking about in light of Ahsoka is how similar Balin is to Dooku in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Yeah. Right. Balin tells Shin uh, in one of the episodes, ultimately that, uh, no, he tells it to Ahsoka Yeah, in order to, the reason he cares about bringing Thrawn back is because he wants to remake the galaxy and he understands that that will breed a level of violence and chaos. And he's willing to take, he's willing to accept that to remake the galaxy, Um, which to me was like, Oh my gosh, that's so similar to Dooku, right? It's, it's taking these really horrid steps with the hope and expectation that something better comes out of the ashes. Mm -hmm. He says, as he's standing over the broken body of Yaddle, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring peace and order to the galaxy. And you, you uh, got to commit to that voice, Jason. You keep yeah, kind of like half doing it. Do it all the way. Yeah, you I, got I, it. All right. <laughs> I just want to bring peace and order to the galaxy. And y- Yaddle <laughs> says, many people have suffered for what you call order. Then let me bring you peace. And that's when he kills her. Yeah. Ah. And it's it's such a uh, it's it hurts, mm-hmm. you know. It hurts to watch him do that, and you you can see the pain that he's going through. But he's made this commitment, and Dooku is nothing if not principled when he makes a commitment. Uh, and and now. Uh, he is he's committed to this he has and he is willing to see this through despite the cost uh and i think i think obviously the cost ends up you know increasing beyond what he thought it would uh you know palpatine never really gives him the full idea of what the cost is, mm-hmm. but he's committed yeah. and he will play his part. And uh, it's, it's tragic obviously because, because obviously he's gotten to this point believing that the Republic is corrupt and the Jedi are too connected to the Republic to uh, be able to see what they need to do to fix things. And so he is going to try and set something up and to do something and to change the galaxy to weed out the corruption and put things in order so that people will be okay. That's how he's rationalized himself to this point. And now he's killed a member of the Jedi Council and cannot turn back. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's so it's so dissimilar from Anakin's path to the darkness. Right. Anakin mm-hmm. ultimately falls for selfish reasons. Right. It's it's about preserving the love of people he cares about. 
preserving the life, excuse me. But Dooku falls for a much more noble cause. <laughs> I mean, he really is trying to make things better. I think, um, and we'll get into this in a moment here when we talk kind of about who he is when we get into the Clone Wars. It's very clear that darkness corrupts, right? That that yes. while he entered into this with noble intentions, and I think he enters into it really believing that he can somehow enter into it without becoming fully corrupt. I'm sure he also enters into relationship yeah. with Sidious knowing I don't fully trust this guy. And we'll talk right. chat about this in a moment too with clone wars. That's why he's kind of still secretly looking for another apprentice, right? Cause that's the rule of the Sith. He wants to overthrow Sidious. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Dooku enters into it probably with all the necessary caution and wariness that he should have. But it's just a reminder that as you give yourself over to the dark, though, it just it just does corrupt you. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the things that he's willing to sign off on, eventually it just kind of morally bankrupts you um, and, 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 and kind of corrupts your soul and your spirit. And I think that's what happens with with Dooku um, as the story progresses. Yeah, it, it, the dark side and the Sith uh, take. Uh, they don't ever give back. It just, it's all take, um, and no, and, and, and nothing to give. And it takes your soul. It takes your nobility. It takes your caution. Uh, it, and it continues to drain it and corrupt it and pervert it, uh, into things that will ultimately not be recognizable to what you started as, um, Palpatine, I think, is an exception to some of this in that he fully embraces the darkness from the get-go uh, and is totally fine being an avatar of the darkness and of the Sith, uh, whereas people like Anakin and Dooku uh, go in with, you know, good intentions, uh, but, you know, oftentimes the way, the, the, the road to evil is paved with good intentions, uh, and both of them fall for different reasons uh and dooku i think you're right i believe you know he probably believes he's smart enough and wise enough and cautious enough in a sense to preserve himself despite the questionable agreements he's making uh and plans that he's signing off on but i think i think we see sort of the first glimpse of well, there is no turning back now, no matter what. And the first glimpse of how far that darkness is corrupted when he does kill Yattle, mm-hmm. despite the fact that she's willing to to take his side in a lot of what he's doing in order to bring it to the council, um, you know. But but he can't do that, right? He. You know he's unable to do that, and uh, well, and that's where we and I think really see the darkness. Well, that's also a hold it has. That's a consistent character flaw of Dooku is his arrogance. Yes, right. Yes, uh, of course he thinks that he can do this because if he's so self assured that he's he's arrogant, right? Yes, um, and that's true as a Jedi and as a Sith. You know, there's there's never mm-hmm. that separation. So of course. He enters into this thinking, oh, this won't corrupt me because I am Dooku. Um, but he's wrong. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's clearly his biggest character flaw is his arrogance, uh, thinking right. that he always knows better than everyone around him. Um, right. 
that's an essential part of who he is as well. Uh, and, and, and probably the easiest thing for, for Sidious to get his claws into. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's absolutely no way that Palpatine didn't use that against him. You know, Oh, well, you know, obviously they don't understand things you do. Mm. Um, so why don't you help me and, you know, enlighten me on how things ought to be done. And well, perhaps you should take care of this for me in the process. And then you can show me what you've learned uh, and what I need to know. You know, Palpatine is very wily in that regard. And I'm sure Dooku's ego was very flattered in the early days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and I, uh, as, Palpatine loves to do with new apprentices. He refers to him as his friend, right? After he's killed Yaddle, he's like, you've done well, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that is the thing is, you know, it's, it's all flattery and ego and, you know, companionship or whatever it is they're looking for until they're fully in the trap and he can just use them as he sees fit. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, and then, you know, we really don't see Dooku much uh, except for in the Clone Wars. Um, and I think a couple of things I just wanted to highlight from his tenure <laughs> that we get <laughs> in Clone Wars episodes is, you know, kind of as we just insinuated, uh, as he enters into the path of the Sith, the rule of two is probably something he's well aware of. Um, mm-hmm. And again, he's arrogant. He certainly probably believes he knows better than cities. Oh, although I guess we should actually touch on him in Attack of the Clones first. <laughs> um, oh, right. Yes. That happens before the Clone that. Wars. Uh, <laughs> I think what's really, you know, I mean, the dude doesn't show up till like, gosh, I think like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. Um, right. But what's what is clear, though, about Dooku is clearly the council still values him. They don't think he's a villain. They don't think he's an assassin. Uh, right. They think he's still a noble, honorable man. And, you know, his his whole separatist movement is continuing those goals that led have led him on this path all along. He wants to right. remake the galaxy. So he creates the separatist movement to break free of the corruption of the Republic, to break free of the corruption of the Senate. Um, that's really what Dooku's about when we meet him in Attack of the Clones. Uh, and, and when we see him meeting with the separatist council, it's. It's very clear, though, that he definitely has it in for the Jedi, right? The Jedi will be overwhelmed, you know. Yes. Uh, the Republic will answer to any of our demands, you know. The, the, this is, you know, he has got everything set for a show of force that even the Jedi won't be able to stand up against so that the Republic will capitulate immediately. Mm-hmm. That's what he's telling the Separatists, even though he knows full well that a clone army has been ordered for the Republic uh, at the behest of a vision of his friend Sifo-Dyas and, but probably ordered and uh, monitored by Dooku himself. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and Dooku's the one who finds the clone template, right? I was recruited yep. by a man named Tyrannus on one of the moons of Bugden. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, exactly. And uh, if you want that story, play the the old PlayStation game, uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunter, the the Jango Fett <laughs> game, because that that's that's the final cutscene is is him meeting up with this Lord Tyrannus and and agreeing to be in a template for the clone army. Um, but yeah, you know, it's Dooku is clearly pulling strings behind the scenes here. Uh, but it is still with that noble intentionality of, of remaking the galaxy. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, at the end of the movie, when he has his confrontations with, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin and then Yoda, uh, it's clear that there's still some light in Dooku, I would argue, right? That interrogation scene with Yoda or excuse me, with the Obi-Wan, you know, we've talked about this scene a lot over the years and then lots of folks yes. have, because it's such a great scene. I mean, you and McGregor and Christopher Lee just like absolutely crushing it. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, no, my friend, this is a mistake. A mistake. Uh, they've gone too far. This is a mistake. This is madness. <laughs> I thought you were the one in charge here. I thought you were the leader. Oh, this, had no- <laughs> oh, this had nothing to do with me, I can assure you. I shall petition immediately for your release. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I was tracking a bounty hunter named Django Fett. Do you know him? There are no bounty hunters here that I'm aware of. The Genos just don't trust them. Well, who can blame them? But he is here, I assure you. Yeah. It's a great it pity. pity. <laughs> Our paths never crossed before, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon Jinn always spoke very highly of you. I wish he were still alive. I could use his help right now. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Don't be so sure. You forget. He was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. <laughs> he knew all about the... Okay, well, we yeah. should stop. We should, <laughs> oh, should we? <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> People are stopped listening. <laughs> but that scene is really great. Um, yes. Because I... It's a win-win for Dooku as he reveals the truth about Sidious controlling the Senate. I yeah. think there is a genuine request here. Join me, Obi-Wan, and together we will destroy the Sith. I think that's a genuine offer. Um, so even there, establishing that Dooku is looking for an apprentice so that he can overthrow Sidious. Um, yeah. And who better than ostensibly his grandson, <laughs> right? right. Um, and... Uh, you know, uh, that's actually it's so funny because in, in the Revenge of the Sith novel by Matthew Stover, uh, Dooku refers to Obi-Wan as sort of a grandson to him uh, when he's talking to <laughs> when he's talking to Palpatine at the beginning. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think in that moment, there is that genuine sense of, oh, my gosh, this is the closest thing I could have to Qui-Gon as an ally. Um, and I'm going to extend this offer. And when Obi-Wan says no, he gives him the truth. Here it is. Sidious is in control of the Senate. And, you know, if Obi-Wan says, well, geez, I will join you and we'll overthrow him. Great. That's a win. But if not, it's like, all right, he's going to tell the. I know he's going to run back to the council and tell them. And that's going to create so much discord. Great. That's a win, too. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It it serves the greater purpose. If Obi-Wan doesn't join, it serves Palpatine's greater purpose and the greater purpose of the Clone Wars. If Obi-Wan does join him, it gives him the opportunity to take out Palpatine and assume the top spot in this plan to remake the Republic to uh, you know a, a way that he believes is less corrupt and better for all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I agree with you. I do think the uh, the offer is genuine um, because Dooku 
as you said, uh, is arrogant and believes that he knows best and is able to, and believes that he knows how to work the situation so that he comes out on top. Mm-hmm. Um, a skill set uh, Palpatine has perfected. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I want to just note that when he when he defeats Obi-Wan and Anakin and he has that moment where he kind of looks down on them and he actually turns off his blade. There is I've all, I remember even as a kid when I saw this movie for the first time I'm like it almost looks like he's sad, right? Like it's it's like he regrets that it's come this far it almost feels like. Um yeah. you know up to this point he he's kind of kept his hands clean but here he is about to cut down two Jedi one of whom is his former master, you know, his former apprentice's apprentice. Um, and there is almost this forlorn look of like, I can't believe it's come this far. Um, and maybe that's me just reading right. into it, but Christopher Lee's a brilliant actor. I mean, he's, he's sh- showing us that emotion for a reason. Right. I, I would agree. I think, I think it is, you know, obviously he's watched, just watched them, the slaughter of dozens of Jedi in the, the arena. Um, but now he's actually doing it himself and it's the two Jedi that are closest to his beloved Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very close connection between Dooku and Qui-Gon, um, that they imply at even in the movies themselves, uh, you know, with Dooku, you know, with the scene that we just talked about and Obi-Wan is Qui-Gon's apprentice and Anakin is the last uh, is potentially the chosen one, which is what Qui Gon has been obsessed with for, you know, years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, this prophecy of the chosen one, and Anakin is only in the Jedi Council, the the Jedi Order, because of Qui Gon and the work that Qui Gon uh, put into that. And so, this is Qui Gon's legacy on the floor in front of him, and. And that probably is what gives him the pause, you know, uh, you know, it, it's what sort of snaps him out of mm. the, the day of, of destruction that he's just witnessed and has been sort of stealing himself against, you know, Master Windu, you fought gallantly, worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order, while there are dozens and dozens of Jedi who haven't survived, mm. you know, uh, but now Qui-Gon's legacy is, you know, sans one arm and, you know, chopped, you know, into not being able to fight against him anymore. Uh, so is does he need to finish this? Um, and if so, how should he do that? But then, of course, Yoda walks in and that solves the issue for him. Um, but yeah, I do think it is... Uh, an interesting thing to note that it is, it is Qui-Gon's legacy there. And obviously, as we saw from the, the final episode of uh, his final episode in Tales of the Jedi, uh, Dooku takes Qui-Gon's death very hard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the way you put that, that this is Qui-Gon's legacy on the floor in front of him. Uh, that's really great. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's interesting that when, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin come into the room and he 
quickly wipes the floor with Anakin with some force lightning. And he says, as you can see, my Jedi powers are far beyond yours. Now, back down. Uh, mm-hmm. Does he still see himself as a Jedi? Do you think he actually thinks those powers are... Um, and he even says to Yoda, you know, my I become more powerful than any Jedi. Even I guess that's him saying... I guess that, that line kind of separates him from the Jedi. But do you think he sees himself as a Jedi or is... Uh, do I don't know. I, I, he probably, in a sense, sees himself as what a Jedi should be. Um, in some sense, there's probably a little bit of that. Uh, and, you know, w- when you are a Jedi for, you know, the majority of your life, I'm sure uh, those little idiosyncrasies slip out in speech sometimes, whether you intend them or not. But I, I do think that. There is, you know, in this day and age when the Sith have been gone for millennia, uh, you know, force powers and Jedi powers are almost a synonymous phrase at this point. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be part of it. But I also think that there might be in the back of his mind uh, a bit of a justification that he is acting and doing things the way the Jedi should be doing things. Um, And, you know, tied into that noble, that initial noble motivation for why he's where he is. Um, So that might be part of it. Yeah, true. Um, But so now we get to encounter Dooku in the Clone Wars. um, And, I mean, I would I would argue overall he's just kind of the villain of of that mm-hmm. series. Um, but a couple of things I just wanted to highlight quickly uh, is, you know, as, as we've kind of insinuated throughout this conversation, um, the you know, getting an apprentice, which at first off is yes. Asajj and then then Savage. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But what I think is worth noting again is is Sidious or excuse me not Sidious Dooku is in fact looking for somebody to be his right hand person so that he could overthrow Sidious at some point and when Sidious becomes aware of the fact that Asajj is really growing in power he orders Dooku to eliminate her um, and this was mm-hmm. a scene that I had forgotten about as being so powerful but uh, I was chatting about this with one of the students at, at work. Uh, his name is Zach, and, and Zach pointed out to me. He's like, "Hey, there's this great moment, um, you know, when when Sidious calls Dooku to task and says, eliminate her.' And there is this hesitation initially from Dooku. You know, he doesn't really want mm-hmm. to do it, but unfortunately, he's still Sidious's lapdog, so he he right. relents. Um, but that's a great moment. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, you know, because he's been molding her and shaping her uh, into this assassin, uh, which at, and Dooku is aware of Maul before Maul uh, is revealed and kills Qui Gon, uh, because he mentions Maul. You know, he tells Palpatius in the Tales of the Jedi episode, um, "You've gone too far, Maul." You know, Maul has gone too far. Yeah, you know, uh, and he killed. Qui-Gon and, you know, Palpatine retorts, well, you know, you lost an apprentice and so have I. Um, so they, you know, he knows about Maul and he decides that, you know, obviously he can form an assassin as well, uh, which is something he needs as part of the, you know, 
separatist leadership. Um, but of course, Asajj is being groomed for so much more. He's put a lot of work into her training and to uh, who she is becoming uh, and to her her connection to the Force. And now all that work has been uncovered and must be disposed of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dooku knows that he, I, I believe uh, in this moment, the, the question, the hesitation is Dooku calculating if he and Asajj could take out Sidious now. And the calculation is not in that favor, mm-hmm. which is why he follows the instructions. That's my belief. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and that's why he gets rid of Asajj because he, he must, and uh, he'll have to start over again. And he does that doesn't with quite work out that way. Right. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work out. So, right. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll say one of the neat things and, I remember we've, we talked about this, uh, this moment uh, a while back, Jason, but it's a great scene when he's training Savage and we get yeah. the only time we ever really see a Sith training scene, right? We've seen plenty of Jedi training scenes throughout the saga, um, but it's one of the only moments where we really see Sith training happening. And, and he's just basically beating on Savage until Savage takes all that anger and hatred. And that's what causes him to use the force. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we see a very brutal Dooku uh, in that regard. Yeah, that he he's what he's come to believe is that the source of a Force user's power really lies in their ability to to take all of their anger and hatred and lash out with it. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of what Dooku's become. I mean, his his hatred for the Republic's tyranny and his hatred for the twisted ways of the Jedi um, is really what kind of gives him a sense of power um, is he, is he's, 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 he's taking that frustration and he's really focusing on that anger to give himself power. This is interesting. Um, I don't mean to keep going back to Dooku Jedi lost, no, but please. It, which is something you said reminded me of something uh in that book uh dooku is training uh is showing qui-gon how to use the force to uh deny pain hmm. uh to you know to you know accept the pain but deny its power over you so that you can continue to, to press on and, and to do whatever it is you need to do despite the pain. Later on in the book, when he's on Sereno at the, the climactic battle that he is having with his brother um, and the, the Tirataka that he's controlling, he uses that, um, but it's twisted. Not only He's not denying the pain, he's using the pain in order to lash out and to take control. Um, and and I think that translates later on into the training that he gives Savage, or Asajj and eventually that what we see with him doing with Savage is it's, you know, 
it's training through pain, through, you know, the power that comes from the pain, whether that's rage, uh, you know, or, or whatever it is that the pain generates. Uh, it's taking that power and using it uh, as your source mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. So that was an interesting tie back that I'm making now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Um, um, yeah, I, uh, the one last thing I wanted to mention from Clone Wars that I thought was of note is, is just, it's in the Kadavu arc when he comes to Kadavu to oversee the execution of Obi-Wan. Um, and I don't remember the name of the, the, the queen of Kadavu. Um, oh yeah. The slavers. Yeah. The slavers. Um, uh, but she basically says to him, like, imagine the, you know, I, right now I am taking control of Obi-Wan Kenobi and just think how powerful you would be having a, an army of enslaved Jedi at your back. And Dooku says this very telling chilling line of, I haven't come for their enslavement, but for their eradication. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just indicating that, um, at this point, <laughs> Dooku's just done. He's done with the Jedi. Uh, so that's how far he has slipped into the dark. Yeah. Uh, Mirage, Queen Mirage, Centel. So thanks. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that is a great moment. You know, he's, he's not, he's done. Yeah, you're right. He is done. He's done with the Jedi. He is, uh, they are not, they're irredeemable at this point and must be eliminated to start again. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's all there is to it. There is one last thing I want to mention from the clone wars. Um, and this is from the arc where Obi-Wan goes undercover as Rekha Hardeen. Um, there's the last episode on Naboo where there's the attempt, the bounty hunters attempt to kidnap uh, Chancellor Palpatine. And obviously, you know, with Obi-Wan's help undercover, they thwart the attack. Um, Anakin is there. Anakin is upset that he was, you know, in the dark about all of this. And he and Palpatine go, they've been, you know, Palpatine's been invited to a dinner uh, and they go to this dinner. Well, Dooku is waiting for Palpatine and Anakin. Uh, And Anakin and Palpatine have this duel. And it is in this duel where Anakin is still angry and upset over everything that's happened with Obi-Wan and the fact that he feels like he wasn't trusted uh, by the council and by... Obi-Wan himself that he starts to really beat Dooku back. Um, And by the end of the duel, Dooku manages to get the upper hand and escape. But there is a moment where Palpatine is watching and it looks like the tables are turning between Anakin and Dooku uh, in terms of their power and who is superior uh, as a, as a fighter there. Uh, And so that's, I think really kind of the moment where Palpatine is like, all right, it might be time to start working on the replacement uh, (laughs) of Dooku as his, at his right hand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the, Last thing I'd mention is just, you know, his his final demise in Revenge of the Sith is just a reminder that 
he he himself with all of his lofty goals with all of his ambitions and arrogance the one thing he just never really took into account was the fact that he himself was a puppet all along as soon as he connected with Sidious right. um and there's you know his his character is given a lot of time in the Revenge of the Sith novel by Matt, Matthew Stover. Um, but right before Anakin kills him, he it just flashes, it dawns on him that uh, treachery and betrayal is the way of the Sith. Dooku realizes right when it's too late that all along he was never anything more than a pawn. So all of his right. lofty ideals never meant anything to Sidious. No. No, and he he in that flash, you know, we we see the moment where, you know, in the movie, Palpatine says, you know, kill him, kill him now, and the look, the look over that, you know, it's a surprise, uh, and then a resignation um, on Dooku's face as he realizes, oh, okay, now I understand, mm-hmm. but, but it's too late, and you know. I'm sure in that resignation, there's regret. Um, but we'll never know how much regret there was because it was all ended in a moment. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and the replacement is almost ready. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so I think what to me is just so telling and compelling <laughs> about Dooku's character is – it's the story of a Jedi struggling to overcome the corruption of the Republic and the limitations of the Jedi. And he steps into steps onto a dark path in hopes of doing so. But it's sort of a cautionary tale of once you start making those steps and surrendering yourself to the dark, it overwhelms you. It's he's trying to fight against the corruption and apathy without while ignoring the corruption and apathy growing within. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, well put. Woo, I just, I made that connection at, you know, as we're talking here, um, <laughs> that's, and that's sort of the tragedy. Uh, you know, when we get the full story, it is a bit tragic, you yeah. know, it, Obviously, he does horrible, terrible things, and you know it, he he is a villain by the end of it. Um, but it is interesting because he's a villain who is a true believer in some sense in what he does. Uh, that what he does is good, um, or at least will produce good in the end. Uh, and I think he believes that at least up until the clone wars really kicks off. And then by then he's too far in and is too corrupted. And the war uh, is throwing the force all out of whack that he kind of leans into the darkness uh, as Palpatine does. uh, And, and that really is what seals the ultimate corruption. Yeah, man. So much good stuff with Dooku. It's fantastic. And the crazy thing is, is there's so much more that we could get in the future from his story or, you know, characters associated with him. Um, I'm excited and I hope we do get more uh, of all of that in the future. So, yeah. 
you and me both. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this, uh, this episode all about the great Count of Sereno. Indeed. Indeed. It was a blast, uh, returning to this sort of character analysis, uh, episode, uh, style that we haven't done in a while. So I'm super excited. Maybe we'll do some more of these in the future, but, um, Carl, if people want to weigh in on any of this discussion that we had about Dooku, or if they want to, uh, share some of their favorite Dooku moments. Uh, where can they reach out and get in contact with us? Yeah, we are on um, Instagram uh, at the Wampusler. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampusler or shoot us an email at wampuslerpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Any final thoughts before we close out this episode? Uh, no. <laughs> so I was trying to go over the Dooku line and I fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, just go rewatch all the Dooku episodes in Tales of the Jedi, folks, and you'll be happy you did. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. This has been episode 533, Dooku. For Carl, I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampas Lair.